Well, let's talk about Barcelona for a second. Now, in the year 2021, the football club had a terrible year, right? It was going through a lot of financial issues. But in 2022, it seems like a new light has emerged and the club is on the way to its recovery. Can that be the same case with the circuit Barcelona-Catalonia with these new Formula 1 cars? Every single year, we've come to Barcelona and said, well, it could be a dull race, but there is an air of excitement this time around with the exciting battle between Red Bull and Ferrari, Leclerc and Verstappen, and also the prospect of a good race here at the circuit, the Barcelona-Catalonia. But there's also other things to be excited for, which is exactly what we're going to discuss right here on the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch the Podium. So without any further ado, let's begin. Hey folks, welcome back in. My name is Somal Arora. I'm the host of The Driving Force on Disney Plus Hotstar, joined by Kunal Shah, the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team. And Kunal, finally, this, this could potentially be a muy bien Barcelona GP at last because there are, there are a few things to get excited about, especially on the front of the circuit, because now that we have better cars, perhaps this could be the year that finally the Spanish GP becomes a good race. Absolutely. You know, Formula One's always been testing at uh, Catalonia. The, the the venue of the Spanish Grand Prix has always been a great testing venue. But this time, it's also going to be a test for the 2022 regulations. So, you know, uh, we've seen historically overtaking is extremely difficult, uh, you know, at the Circuit de Catalonia. And uh, the question that will be asked is, and, you know, the 2022 regulations will be challenged. Can the drivers follow? Can they overtake? There are two DRS zones. So that's, of course, one of the many stories that will be the talking point of the season summer, mm. right? And, you know, it's, we've, we've, had a, we've had a break, but year on, we have two doubleheader races. So it's going to be Spain and Monaco, then a break, and then something else, something else. I don't remember the races at the top of my head. I just know <laughs> that I'm going to be working. And But, you know, Spain, it's like going, you know, it, it's always touted to be like, hey, this is where the season actually hmm. starts in Formula One, isn't it? Sommel? Yeah, exactly. New upgrades. It's probably it's properly the first race of the European leg. Now, we have raced in Imola before. That is correct. But this is the circuit where the teams properly bring their upgrades for the first time. And wow, we can all. There's so many of them. Mercedes are apparently touted to bring an upgrade. They're, the same can be said for Alfa Romeo. Aston Martin apparently have a whole new car and Ferrari for the first time this year also are going to have a big upgrade coming up. It's it's like, as you rightly mentioned, a whole new year altogether and the pecking order could be completely different to what we saw previously. Absolutely. And, you know, the key part here for everybody listening in is teams constantly will be bringing testing upgrades this weekend, much as they've been doing it before. But the bigger upgrades are expected. And, uh, you know, they'll say this is the start of the European leg of the season. But the irony is that we actually raced yeah. in Imola a couple <laughs> of races ago as well. So, But but the, 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 the truth is that Spain is where they will bring in all the upgrades because it's also further into the season than, say, Imola was, Samuel, mm. right? And uh, the best way to keep a track of all the upgrades, in my view, of course, is the Friday and Saturday show-and-tell sessions that Formula One has now started. And then following somebody like an Albert Fabrega on Twitter, who is extremely good in sort of, uh, you know, explaining what the upgrades are, who's brought in what. Even the AMUS, the German, uh, you know, Formula One publication that they have, that's that's pretty good as well. And, uh, you know, 
last year, Checo Perez said, you know, I'm new to Red Bull. It'll take me five races uh, before actually, actually I can go <laughs> in and win. And he actually won at the sixth one, right? Um, Spain is the sixth round of the season. So, of course, for Checo Perez, it could be one of those, you know, sixth, sixth time lucky kind of thing. But he's not the reason why I'm stating this. Uh, talking of upgrades, Ferrari said we are not bringing upgrades to... Uh, to to our car for the first five races and spain is where their big upgrades are expected to come in they've done a filming test there's been a there's been controversies each time ferrari's done a filming test right so lots to sort of look forward to uh with regards to every team that's bringing in upgrades in in this this season and I am definitely sure the pecking order is going to change because eventually it's fine margins that are separating all the teams, whether at the front or in the midfield. Somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be a big, big test for Formula 1 in general as well because let's look at it this way. All the teams will be bringing in upgrades. All the teams will be trying to elevate their cars into a better level. But Formula 1 has done that at a grander scale with the new regulations. And they desperately want races like Spain and like Monaco to be better races in terms of a spectacle. So on that front, I suppose it's going to be a big challenge for the new, uh, what do we call them? Ground effect cars. I forgot for a second. The racing has been so exciting. I forgot the name of the technology in the first place. But in general, Kunal, I just want to ask the question, can we learn anything from the testing at all? Because we've mentioned consistently that it's almost like the start of a new year. The cars will be completely different. I suppose only track-specific, condition-specific-based knowledge can be carried forward, no? That's correct. You know, it's it's uh, going to be exciting because teams will actually be able to see how much progress they've made with their upgrades and with their cars. Mm. Even if they've not upgraded, there are setup-related changes they make as they learn more about the cars. Case in point, say, being Ferrari, yeah. right? So they would know how much they have gained or lost and in which areas of their package. That's That's crucial. And the one thing to remember is the conditions will be far hotter. Yeah. Uh, this weekend than we went than when we went testing so that sort of brings an additional set of challenges altogether somehow right and one must remember the circuit de catalonia is actually a very very interesting circuit it's got a, a beautiful mix of you know low speed medium speed and high speed corners right um, there there is this whole talk about overtaking that's going to be the you know the the main talking point the buzzword for the weekend will we see overtakes <laughs> but i i pretty I pretty much love love the circuit for what it is. And, you know, we're going to have two DRS zones. Uh, you know, one hack, which uh, for all the viewers, uh, when you're watching it on TV, if a corner is turning left, it's more often than not a low-speed corner. And if a corner is going right, huh. uh, it's more often than not a high-speed corner. So depending how you see it on television. And also, Mercedes' simulation has released some interesting numbers, which I'm happy to share, is they said that, you know, 2021 May, so say 12 months ago, was last when we ran uh, Formula One cars out here, right? Uh, the long turn three, which, uh, you know, was normally taken at 240 kilometers per hour last year, will probably be close to 225 kilometers per hour and similarly uh the fast turn nine at the back of the circuit uh is a 250 kilometers per hour right hander uh whereas last year it was taken at you know 265 kilometers mm. per hour so a lot of this attribution is just to how the the formula works to to how the cars are now heavier and and basically the different two formulas that we are comparing uh between this year and last year's summer yeah but i suppose 
the the speed differences they don't matter as much as the show would eventually and i so so hope that it's going to be better because in testing we heard signs that drivers were optimistic about the cars it's not perfect yes but yeah things are potentially going to be better can they follow can they overtake that's going to be the major question but i suppose there is that chance right with the new car so let's wait and watch but i want to know your favorite spanish gp memory canal because we may not realize this but this race has been on for such a long time literally and it, it always ends up going under the radar because of its entertainment spectacle but i have to come up with the 2012 spanish gp first up because being a fernando alonso fan that is one race that always ends up coming into mind and the way he started the way he darted up the field that's just proper alonso stuff and also 2013 which was unfortunately his last race win to date do you reckon another, another one is going to come anytime soon Well, Fernando Alonso believes it's a lot of bad luck that's cost him a chunk of points and performance in 2022, which seems to be the case, much like Lewis Hamilton, hmm. you know. But uh, it depends if you're an Alonso fan, whether you believe in the luck or you just think Ocon has outperformed him. But yes, uh, my favorite Spanish Grand Prix memory, I think I have okay. three. Uh, first, of course, was, uh, you know, Pastor Maldonado's last win for Williams, the most unexpected winner ever in the history books of formula 1 <laughs> at least till till my mind goes you know maybe sebastian remembers all of them <laughs> i remember some of them uh then of course we had uh, you know the the famous uh, 2016 race uh nico rosberg lewis hamilton taking each other out uh, i think it's still not uh, you know fans still haven't decided who took who out but that doesn't matter <laughs> you know max verstappen scored his uh made in formula 1 win uh while making a debut for red bull racing and somel back then the inside line f1 podcast was very much around mm-hmm. and mithila and i had predicted that max verstappen would win that weekend and he actually won uh, we were shocked now how much of a realistic prediction was that kunal because uh, i get a feeling it might be a bit of a parody one no that first race for max and just to rub it in on danny kefiat he ended up winning but that that's eventually what ended up happening in the first place so it's not like spain has always had bad memories and i also remember 2017 when we had had the little young kid uh, nicholas if i'm not mistaken the big kimi raikkonen fan and eventually formula 1 did a really good job of putting a smile on his face but smiles on faces well i suppose that's going to be tougher for mercedes this time out because for the last 9 years they've been on pole right here in spain that's a start courtesy of f1 start guru and it may so happen that they might not end up doing so this time out canal once again that that's a bit of a tricky point even though they do have new upgrades coming in how do you see that working out for mercedes eventually because soto wolf says that they're expecting a bit of a step up this weekend well you know mercedes is the big mystery for all of us including mercedes themselves right uh for them it's going to be you know comparing two different specs of cars at the same grand prix which i think is is fantastic for them to see because you know there's this talk of should they ditch the zero pod concept mm. go back to the traditional pod setup that they the, the traditional pod concept they had in barcelona earlier in on uh, earlier in the season yeah. right so very very interesting to see how it goes and since you mentioned that mercedes you know have had pole position for the last 9 years here's another stat uh 23 out of 31 races at the circuit de catalunya have been won from pole oh, position really? right 
just shows how crucial qualifying is going to be on Saturday, right? And in fact, in Miami was the first time in nine races that the pole sitter failed to win the race. Of course, this stat is also courtesy F1 stats guru Sundaram. He's pretty fantastic and his stats are even more fantastic. Somal. But let's let's stick to these stats, right? Because qualifying is going to be so crucial hmm. out here. Uh, and and so is you know we've heard this whole tire management thing which sort of pisses people off when when you talk about it drivers sitting uh, and waiting for others to make a mistake but even in qualifying at you know at Barcelona as one of the circuits where you have to manage tires because uh, you know sector three which is the last sector lots of slow hmm. corners drivers can make up a lot of time there right uh which means that if you attack sector 1 in qualifying uh you know as you should then your tires might overheat by the time you get to sector 3 so drivers will be looking to you know sort of make that compromise as well that let sector 1 go a little bit so you are able to maximize your car's performance in sector 3 so yes the bottom line is qualifying is going to be extremely crucial and i love this about barcelona because it's been labeled as a technical circuit, and this is exactly why it is so technical. You've got to manage these aspects about tire management, about passing, about the slow corners. And it, it just makes it such a driver challenge as well, Kunal, the third sector, because it is frustrating. It's, it's almost annoying to drive that part of the circuit, but that's where you kind of differentiate between the good drivers and the great ones, don't you? And that, that's what we saw in Miami as well, that, that notorious little Formula E sector that we mentioned it might be frustrating, but seriously, that, that's a big point of discussion all the way through. But I want to talk about Lewis Hamilton here for a second, because over here, Hamilton has the joint record with Michael Schumacher for six wins, the most for any driver at this particular circuit. He's won here for five years in a row. This is just going to be a crash back down to earth, especially when you consider that his teammate George Russell, he's been on a streak of five top five finishers in a row. Will that streak continue, Kunal? And Will he rub it in Hamilton's face once again? Now, I, I suppose it's possible because the way he's been going about, he seems like the one who's mastered this car and Lewis hasn't. You know, you know, this is the same discussion we had when Leclerc and, you know, Fettel mm. happened, where we said Leclerc is just loving the fact that he's racing for Ferrari and he's thinking race by race, whereas Fettel was thinking more on a championship level. It's probably the same thing at... Mercedes as well. Russell's just loving the fact that he's a Mercedes driver, finally. And Lewis is like, oh my God, but this is not the Mercedes uh, I know. You know, Mercedes is always technically the most uh, uh, comfortable team at the front, etc., etc., right? But, uh, you know, what you mentioned about Lewis winning five years in a row actually is, a, is an interesting memory as well, because we spoke of Verstappen's hmm. win on Red Bull Racing debut, right? And that was 2016, basically 2017 onwards. It's only been Lewis Hamilton <laughs> winning at uh, Circuit de Catalonia, right? So, but this probably uh, should take us to the eight sleep, uh, uh, you know, list of uh, you know list of drivers who need to join the eight sleep performers on Sunday. Well, yes, absolutely. Lewis Hamilton has to be one of them because the pressure really is on him. Russell is delivering all the points for Mercedes right now. And for him to join in would be pretty superb in this midfield battle. And they might be clear in the Constructors' Championship, but it certainly helps out to do the same. But apart from Lewis Hamilton, Canal, I'm going to actually go for two Spanish home heroes. I'm going to go for Carlos Sainz and Fernando Alonso. And the timing has nothing to do with the fact that it's their home race. It, it just helps out that it's this one. But for Carlos Sainz, 
there, there is no better race than this one to come up with this first ever Grand Prix win. But Ferrari coming up with new upgrades, things seem like it could be going in Ferrari's direction again. It's, it's all optimistic, this one. But for, for Sainz, really, it's a big challenge to overcome, firstly, his own teammate. And for Fernando Alonso, I suppose I'll get to him later. But who would you pick for your eight sleep drivers who should get to become the performer of the race? Well, that's, that's a complicated name for a segment that I've just made up. It's, it's supposed to be simple, but yeah. I, I, I've butchered it up, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say it again. Drivers who need to join the list of eight sleep performers on our on, this Sunday. My pick, Samuel. Two drivers in no order, but they better be higher up in the order. First is Daniel mm. Ricciardo. God knows what's happening to his season at McLaren. You know, 2022 was supposed to be a reboot, new car, new concept supposed to be you know mastering uh, everything that he's known to be a master of but that's not been happening right of course uh, also challenges at mclaren you know first race horribly off the pace last race issues all the way from qualifying etc right but hey at the end of the day lando's the one who's been scoring all the points when you know one has mm. to and i have an interesting lando norris stat here right and this is for all those who love formula one and love maths Lando's last three finishes Mm -hmm. have been seventh, fifth, and third. Ah. Okay, so if you're the one (laughs) who knows how to count down in odd numbers, you probably know who could be on the top step of the podium this Sunday, especially if math trends sort of remain right <laughs> and then of course the second the second driver who you know you know who's on my list is Mick Schumacher and Mick Schumacher as odd as it may mm-hmm. sound has finished only in odd positions in races he's actually finished at so <laughs> he was 11th in Bahrain he was 13th in Australia he was 17th in Imola and 15th in the USA I love the wordplay, Kunal. I really do. So what what will it take for Mick Schumacher to finish in first, perhaps? Because, ah, someday, <laughs> right? I, I suppose if there's one circuit where he can do it, maybe Barcelona, because that's where his dad holds the record for the most amount of wins. Again, I'm just speculating. I'm, I'm just dreaming about that. It's it's too much of a long shot right now. But, well, that, that that's a fun little stat that's just popped up. But speaking of Schumacher and that battle in the midfield, I mentioned a second ago that I will talk about Fernando Alonso, but I will come to that after a quick break. We're back right here. Hello, it's me, Sommel, and you're listening to the Inside Line F1 podcast. We release a new episode every week or sometimes even twice a week. If you're a new listener, I would absolutely recommend you tuning into our Voices of F1 series, where we've spoken to legendary Formula 1 commentators like Bob Varsha from the USA, Steve Slater from Asia, Artlegal Brunson from Norway and many others. If you like this episode, hit subscribe, leave us a good rating and a good review. And before this episode resumes, a quick word of thanks for choosing to listen to the Inside Line F1 podcast. Happy listening! Okay, folks, welcome back to the Inside Line F1 podcast. Uh, Thanks for waiting for that small little break right there. And we've got to talk about Fernando Alonso because I mentioned that he's going to be a part of the list of eight sleep performers who need to become uh, the top drivers of this weekend. And for Alonso, he's been absolutely decimated by Esteban Ocon this year. Uh, and Kunal, I think you mentioned that Alonso might claim it to be bad luck. Some might claim it to be Ocon not performing him. But coming into Spain, it, there's, there's, no, there's no better time for him to go out there and have a good weekend. And we discussed recently on the, on the Miami GP review with Steve Slater that perhaps the time could be coming to an end for Fernando Alonso. So if there's something that kickstarts his season, 
I think it has to be a couple of good results. And right now, Ocon is having the, having the better run of the grass. I can't remember a teammate who has so comprehensively outclassed Fernando Alonso in his Formula 1 Same. career, right? And, you know, Ocon is, of course, standout, uh, especially the last race of uh, in Miami. You know, he went from starting dead last. You know, he went from not, in fact, qualifying yeah. to, uh, you know, finishing in the points. Uh, interestingly, Ocon has finished in the top eight uh, in every race he's actually oh. finished, as has Valtteri Bottas, right? So very interesting stats uh, out there as well. But yes, Home, you know, El Matador, home race, Spanish fans. Fernando is the original poster boy of Formula One in 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 Barcelona. Could that trigger first good luck and then, of course, the continued good performances for him and Alpine? Wow, Sol? that's actually got me wondering, Kunal. Will will the Spanish fans be out here in blue or red this time out? Because now, Carlos Sainz is in a properly good car, but the love of Fernando Alonso never dies. So, what, what color are they going to be wearing this weekend? Even that's one big thing to watch out for. Well, I'm wearing blue and I'm wearing red. So, <laughs> my my heart, my I, I would go with blue if I was to be uh, at Barcelona. So, in fact, Barcelona was also one of my first races that I reported from as an accredited media journalist several years ago. Yes, but lots of lovely... Uh, memories of, uh, you know, staying in Granoyers and uh, eating at the circuit and, you know, uh, loving all the media facilities, etc., etc. And so, I suppose the weather also reminds you quite a fair bit of Mumbai, but that's a topic for later on. We have to speak about <laughs> some other new entrants into this field right now. And Nick de Vries Canal is going to be driving for Williams in FP1. And we've been talking consistently of this podcast on Williams perhaps looking for options other than Latifi, because obviously they're not getting any returns over there. But to my mind, this just looks like the first proper Formula E to Formula 1 crossover. We've seen the latter quite a fair bit. If anything, one might say that's the whole basis of Formula E in the first place, but I think that's a bit too harsh. But first time properly, because uh, I'm, I'm saying properly because Alex Albon also crossed over, but he only did one test for Nissan, so I don't think that really counts in there. But yeah, good to see Nick DeVries coming in here. Especially the fact that Nick DeFries is a reigning Formula E world yes, champion correct. ever since Formula E became a world championship from this season as well. So I think it's 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 fantastic to see Nick get a break in Formula One. Yes, it's a part of you know a mandatory rule that's from this season. One out of two, one yeah, it, you have to have a, at least two uh, rookie mm-hmm. driver outings in FP sessions in 2022, and this is for every team, right? So Nick is going to be one of uh, the two, or at least one right now for mm-hmm. Williams. But you know, keeping all the rules and stuff aside, just the fact that Williams will be able to gauge Nick De Vries versus Nicolas Latifi in pretty much the same car, same track, same session, all of that. And that's going to be very good comparative data for them. And remember, these two drivers actually fought for the Formula 2 championship a few years ago, where De Vries actually ended up beating Latifi uh, to the title ensemble. So I am very excited to see De Vries out there. Yeah, indeed. And who knows what might happen a few years down the line. But De Vries doing so well, having won the Formula 2 championship before Formula E, it, it seems like he would be a good candidate for Williams sometimes in the future. So let's wait and watch to see how that plays out eventually. But we have to talk also about the battle at the top because with Williams, yes, it's exciting, but it's at the lower half of the field. And the top half of the field, Kunal, 
the exciting part is there's just not much more to add to Leclerc versus Verstappen. At this stage, the only thing we can say about them is just sit back and relax and watch them fight, which I think is the best recipe for any good Formula 1 season, in my opinion. It is. And I actually have two things to add. First is some interesting numbers on Latifi as well. So each time Latifi has finished a race in 2022, he's either finished 14th or 16th. Hmm. That's it. There what? are no other numbers Okay, that he's... <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> the, yeah. And, and the second thing that I said I would add is I would probably add a couple of tens to Leclerc's pace if I could. Because, you know, after seeing Ferrari start the season as they did, uh, this, you know, Red Bull sort of become the fastest car. We saw they were not so challenged in the last couple of races. But uh, for that battle to continue to be a battle and not like continue to be close to a battle, there is a difference in the hmm. two. I think... Uh, Leclerc having a couple of uh, tents is great. You know, fine margins, that's what separates them. So what the upgrades would do and, you know, how the pecking order would change would all depend on those fine margins of a couple mm. of tents that the drivers would find, Sommel. And then, you know, uh, you know, I would, you, you talked about Carlos Sainz. I would also put Checo Perez mm. out there. You know, in all the races Perez has finished, he's actually finished in the top four. He's, you know, he scored a pole position uh, before Max oh, Verstappen yeah. did in 2022. Could he go out and get a win if if he was allowed to? If he, he if he Ooh, could, you, you mentioned a big glow right there. If he was allowed to, come on, five races in Canal. You reckon that he's actually being held back at this stage as well? Would Red Bull do something like that so early on in the year? I would do it if I was Red Bull. If you know Max Verstappen is, he's lost. Uh, you know. Uh, two races to to reliability issues everything that needs to be done to sort of uh, get him to score maximum points should be and would be done so i wouldn't be surprised if red bull would go back and play that you know the number 2 card role and why not i mean you know they they've backed max to the mm-hmm. full checo knows this max knows this we all know this uh, and uh, it's always been that we need to find a number two driver for Red Bull and for Max <laughs> Verstappen. So I wouldn't be surprised if if they you know if if uh, team orders were to come in play at some nah, point. Not so early on though. I mean, it, it's the sensible decision. But come on, Red Bull, don't be so boring. And you know what? This time I'll not be so boring with the predictions as well. I'm actually going to go for Carlos Sainz for pole and win this time. So I'm putting myself out there. But what about you, Kunal? Uh, I suppose you're going to go for Max. I, I, I know you won't do something different in that case because <laughs> everything just kind of dictates that he's going to be the one who gets it at the end. Yeah, it's it's tough to look away from Max. Mm. You know, he's got this momentum going on. He's driving like he's always driven. <laughs> and uh, I would I, I think it would be, you know, a Ferrari on pole, but Max to win. Uh, that's my feeling. Uh, but uh, more than anything else, I think the battle between the top two drivers mm. or top three drivers will be a lot closer. And I also think Mercedes would have closed in on the gap that they are sort of sitting in between, but not enough to go and battle uh, for a podium finish unless something goes wrong there. So, yeah, I've given a very convoluted, very complicated <laughs> prediction, but just doing some reading. But, hey, it's early days in the week. And if you guys have some predictions you want to share with us, you know, go, our, go ahead and tweet it. 
tweet at Absolutely. us. Absolutely. And let us know what your thoughts are. But folks, thank you so much for watching and listening to this particular episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast. We'll be back with more for the Spanish GP race review and also other coverage of all the other races. So stay right here. And in case you want something else to listen to, go check out our, check out our Miami GP review with Mr. Steve Slater, the voice of F1 back in Asia. So that's all for now, folks. See you soon. Have a good time. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the weekend.